1: with my co-host Mark Haas, AEG, Mike Mitchell, person-to-person quality, and Marie Spadafore, and Kelly Campbell, Campbell Wealth Management, who's also one of our guests today. Mark, can you give us a rundown on who, uh, who we're going to be talking with today, who our guests are?
2: Yes, today we have Kelly Campbell, CEO of Campbell Wealth Management, Steve Roth, partner of CM Equity Partners, Jorge Restrepo, CEO of Eurekafax and J.J. Finkelstein, President and CEO of Regenerex Biopharmaceuticals.
1: Excellent. Let's get to our first guest, Kelly Campbell, CEO of Campbell Wealth Management. Kelly, wh- what is Campbell Wealth Management? What are you guys doing?
0: We're an asset management firm and, and a wealth management firm. We help people either in retirement or very close to retirement.
1: All right. And, and, and what do you help them do?
0: We help them figure out what to, when they can retire, how they can retire, how to best manage their money, and uh, how to make sure they never run out.
1: Mm-hmm. Why is that so important to you?
0: Well, I just think that you know, a lot of people, you know, All right, let's products. make it
1: personal. What happened to you when you were 15?
0: <laughs> um, well, when I was younger, you know, I there we had a pretty good family model until my father passed away when I was 15.
1: And how many brothers and sisters do you have?
0: Uh, one brother and one sister, both older.
1: So you're the youngest of three, and so were they out of the house already or what happened when dad passed?
0: No, they were they were still in the house. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, they, they were, we were all going to private school, basically, a mm-hmm. private Catholic school in yeah. Baltimore.
1: Yeah, and then what happened?
0: Well, uh, my sister moved to California. My mm-hmm. brother went into the Navy, uh-huh. and so uh, I kind of took on a different role.
1: What kind of different role did you take on?
0: I kind of felt like I was you know, I was the, the man of the house.
1: You felt like you were the man. Of, what, what do you mean you felt like you were the man of the house? You were the youngest of three kids, and you should have been complaining and screaming.
0: Yeah, but I guess you know, when my father passed away, you know, he was the wage earner, and so my mother you know, had worked part-time as a travel agent, but she didn't make a lot of money, but you know, she had a lot of expenses, um, especially you know, when my brother and sister were still at home. Uh, you know, so she's taking care of basically three people, three teenagers, paying for private school, you know, and somehow she did it, but you know, I, I was an entrepreneurial, and I always had, had jobs and always made money, so mm-hmm. I was the one that could help More? contribute. Uh,
2: how old were you when you started making money?
0: Oh my gosh! Probably, probably five years old when I started doing odd jobs for for neighbors and things like that. Um, but probably, I, I, I in my teens, uh, I learned how to work in the body and fender business uh, from one of my neighbors. I learned how to do it, and then I kind of started my own business as a as a you know probably fourteen years old.
2: Well, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds like a lot of responsibility. How did that change your role in the family?
0: I think just I, it made me more methodical, more process-oriented. You know, when you're, when you're working on something, you know, there's a process to it. And, you know, when I was actually doing it for people, you know, <laughs> working on their car where they had to actually drive it to work every day, you know, I had to do the right thing and I had to make sure I knew what I was doing. So uh, it was about following a process and, you know, having a system. So when
1: you, when you, when you were a kid and you started that the body and fender business, what, what did you learn from that business? Is anything to do with making Campbell Wealth Management special?
0: I think I'll go back to what I was talking about, which is, you know, having a process. One of the things that uh, that we do as a company now is, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of stockbrokers out there will just manage people's money, right? And they're trying to make money. Maybe they're selling product. We were always about, and you know, I've been doing this for, for, you know, over 27 years now, but we're always about a financial plan. So every client has a financial plan because I think it's really important to find out where they are and where they're going mm-hmm. before I even think about how to invest their money. Anne-Marie?
3: So Kelly, would you be in the business that you're in now if you hadn't lost your father at such a young age?
0: You know, I don't. I don't think I would. I mean, one of the things that losing my father taught me, and you know, it left my mother in a in a pretty difficult situation, having all those expenses. You know, not having a you know high wage earner. I, I learned a lot from it, but I also learned that I didn't want other people to be subjected to that type of situation.
1: Michael,
3: and how do you bring that mm-hmm. to your work?
0: You know, I just say, you know when we when we take care of people, we we really you know we're I consider us really taking care of them. We're really helping them uh, look at the whole picture and make sure, God forbid, someone passes away or you know, they something else happens that we've covered all the bases. Mike?
4: So follow that a little further. When you were working, when you were young, how did you, what did you learn then that helped you to develop uh, trusting clients?
0: Yeah, you know, that's it, a good, good point to bring up. Trust is one of the most important things, but I mean, I think the way you, you earn trust is by caring. And I think one of the biggest things we did, and we do for our clients, is you know show them that we care. Mm-hmm. You know, they always say they don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care.
1: When when you were fifteen, and your dad passed. You told us earlier in the green room that um, you you missed that role. You missed my role model. What do you mean by that? And how do you think that that's affecting you nowadays in terms of your clients and in terms of your coworkers?
0: Yeah, I think you know from a from a role model standpoint. I think you know when you when you your father passes or you lose a parent, I think there's some mentoring that you don't get, and so I think that's really what it brought about for me is that I end up mentoring a lot of people and even our clients by helping helping them do the right thing.
1: Yeah, because you're you try, you've also you're healing yourself by making sure that others don't go through that same tragic uh, group of circumstances. Exactly. We have with us today. Uh, a fellow by the name of Rich Clement. Uh, Rich, what, what's your role in the firm in, in Campbell Wealth Management?
5: I head up the team that takes care of the clients once Kelly uh, brings them on board.
1: All right. So you're you're you are a wealth manager.
5: I am. Uh-huh. I do have my own. How clients. long have you been? How long have you been with the firm? Six years.
1: Uh huh. Why, why do you find your role in Campbell Wealth Management meaningful?
5: Um, because it it uh, it gives me a chance to. Um, teach and to guide and to help my employees grow as well as the clients to what, show what, them the way. What do
1: you mean it gives you a chance to teach and stuff like that? What are you talking about? I thought you were a wealth manager.
5: Well, well, I am. And mm-hmm. uh, I find that in meeting with clients, uh, I know so much more about what's going on in the financial world than they do because they don't work in it every day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we've worked with thousands of clients. Over Where, the,
1: where's this teaching stuff come from? Why does that turn you on so much?
5: Um... I just have always had an interest in learning about things. And
1: How about in your childhood, what happened to cause you to want to teach?
5: Um, probably because I didn't have good teachers or good mentors as I was growing up. What do
1: you up. mean? What are you talking about?
5: Um, it just I was, uh, um, my father was in the military and, mm-hmm. and he was overseas a mm-hmm. uh, number of times as I was growing up and so I missed that, that part of You uh, missed what? Upbringing.
1: You missed, what well, it says like you and Kelly also, you know, you have a common thread there where dad wasn't around for different reasons, though. Right. Is that fair?
5: I, mean, I think so, yeah. So there's
1: a certain culture in this firm where you guys are really healing yourself by giving back to your clients. Isn't that fair to say?
5: I guess you could say that.
1: Uh-huh. Wait, what, um, do you guys uh, get clients and lose them real quick?
5: No, we don't. They normally stay for quite a long time. Why, and, would, and why would that be?
1: I wonder why. Why would that be? Yeah.
5: Because we take care of them. Uh-huh. We're honest with them. Mm-hmm. We're transparent.
1: You're honest and transparent. What are you talking about? What do you mean?
5: It's it's about telling people the truth about their financial situation. If they're on track, you tell them. Mm-hmm. And and it's clear to them if they're not on track, you got to tell them as well so that they can make changes.
1: But isn't that going to get somebody upset if, if things aren't going well and you tell them something they're not going to like?
5: Yeah, quite often it does. But most of the time, once they get over sort of the shock or the... Uh, the stern rebuke, they get over it, and and things work better from there. Hmm.
1: So you think part of it's being truthful.
5: It's all about being truthful and transparent.
1: Uh huh. And and this really feeds you. You really enjoy this role. It does. Uh huh. That's sort of interesting, Kelly. What what wh- what's the future for this firm looking like?
0: Yeah, I just think we're trying to help as many folks that are either close to retirement in retirement get through that process and understand mm-hmm. where they are and have a plan mm-hmm. going forward
1: who's got the next question What the, what else are you guys thinking mark what are you thinking
2: so how do you solve problems as a kid
0: methodically <laughs> Um, I, I don't know why or where this came from, but I've always been, as you know, I talked a little bit about it before, but i mean process-oriented, you know. In other words, there are always steps to things. So, you know, I've, I've always been a checklist guy. So I've got checklists for everything. So, you know, on the weekend, I'll, I'll start with my checklist and, you know, if I do something that wasn't on the list, I put it on the list and I check it off because I did it. Uh, so that's important to me to make sure that we've covered all our bases and we don't let anything slip through the cracks.
1: So you're thorough in your approach, not just with yourself, but with your clients. Completely. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. Anne-Marie, what are you thinking there?
3: What have you, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from your clients over the years?
1: That's an interesting question. Yeah, what have is. you learned from your clients? Yeah.
0: Um, You know what? I, I think that it is pretty interesting. One of the, one of the steps in our process is to really talk about life planning. And, uh, and I think a lot of people get so hung up on the numbers. When we talk to our clients, when we talk about life planning, they get excited about it. And, you know when they, we can get when we can get them off the numbers and really say okay well why are you retiring what do you want to do what have you always wanted to do and never did you know that's when i hear some of the best stories from clients and that's when we do some of our best planning
1: wait a minute wait 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 but in order to dig into that stuff that takes a lot more time and a lot more skill than just asking when do you want to retire
0: all right so so we are not just a numbers company we really want to focus on helping people achieve their their you know their goals and their dreams in retirement mm-hmm. this isn't just about a number mm-hmm.
1: michael you have a question there
4: so I guess that's where the trust is reinforced, and you develop that with everybody. Is that right?
0: I guess if you think about it, we, you know, if we were just interested in a number, if we were just interested in making money, we wouldn't really care. But right. we do care, and I would much rather help someone succeed, not just financially, but in all the things they want to accomplish, rather than you know, just help them figure out what a number is.
1: So you're really getting to know you you're really getting to know your clients, their lives. They're really sharing with you what's going on in their lives.
0: Definitely, we get to know them very well.
1: And you're you're helping them plan stuff and think about
0: stuff, huh? And we're getting to try to think outside the box. You know, things they've. I always I say, you know, what's just something that you've always wanted to do and never did? Maybe something that you've put off, something you forgot about. Wow.
1: What's the website address of this organization?
0: Campbellwealth.com. Let me have that one more time. It's Campbellwealth. We've
1: been speaking with Kelly Campbell, CEO of Campbell Wealth Management, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, it's executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment, right after this break. And your name and organization is.
6: My name is Evan Beach, and I come from Campbell Wealth Management.
1: And what's your role in Campbell Wealth Management?
6: The title is wealth manager, which which carries a broad array of duties. So I do business development along with our CEO Campbell or Kelly Campbell. I also do financial planning for new clients and bring on new clients. can
1: not you tell me something about, uh, every day is a little bit different, and what what do you enjoy about your role in the firm?
6: I think I enjoy the diversity of it. So today I'm sitting here Mm -hmm. answering questions with you. Tomorrow I'm teaching a class to 80 CPAs. The following day I'm sitting down with the end client and, and having an impact on their life and their retirement.
1: So you enjoy the diversity of your job. It's not the same thing every day. Yeah. But doesn't that doesn't that make life difficult? I mean, isn't it easier just to go with a pattern?
6: Maybe easier, but less fun.
1: Uh, what do you find fun about the diversity, though?
6: I, I think it's it's who I am. I can't sit still. I can't be behind a desk. So if I'm. You know, if I'm teaching or if I'm having a direct impact. What do you mean you
1: can't sit still? As a kid, what kind of kid were you? How did that show up as a kid? <laughs>
6: uh, a chaotic kid. So I'm, I'm the youngest of three, mm-hmm. hyper-competitive, mm-hmm. Uh, was diagnosed with ADD in first grade, I think, mm-hmm. so pretty early on, mm-hmm. and didn't really do well with school until I found, until I found financial planning, actually. Why? Not in, just not interested.
1: So you really got invested. You really enjoy the whole process of helping manage money.
6: Yeah, and it's not so much managing money. I enjoy kind of digging deep into people's lives and exploring what they want to do, when they want to do it, who they want to do it with. Hmm, and then money is just kind of the, the gas in the car to get them there. What's the website
1: address that is Management? Campbell Wealth Management?
6: CampbellWealth.com. Campbell like the soup. Mm-hmm. Let
1: me have that one more time.
6: CampbellWealth.com. And your
1: name again is? Evan Beach. And it's Campbell Wealth Management. You got it. And this has been your business spotlight. And your
7: name is? Jeff Lawson.
1: And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special?
7: Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, The conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land.
1: Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh And what's your role in the organization?
7: I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs.
1: So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a
7: weekly basis, on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And
1: your job, are you working nine to five, or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and
7: weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh Uh-huh, what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients, because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such.
1: So you're, you're, well you're running a 24-by-7 facility, aren't you?
7: We are. Uh uh-huh.
1: What's the website
7: address of this organization? ConferenceCenter.com Let me have that again. ConferenceCenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And
1: this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Radio. This is your host, Herb Gunn. We'd like to introduce Steve Roth, partner of CM Equity Partners. Steve, what is CM Equity Partners?
8: We are a private equity firm that invests in government IT uh, contractors.
1: Uh-huh. How large or how small is this firm?
8: We have uh, a billion dollars under under
2: management.
1: Uh-huh. Were well, you from originally...
8: Baltimore, Maryland.
1: Uh huh. All right, Mark, you got something? You got some questions there?
2: Steve, what uh, brought you comfort as a child?
8: Um, the fact that my my I, I felt comfortable with my parents being able to you know take care of us and you know be able to um, support us and, and and bring us comfort from that perspective.
2: So how did that affect the way you made choices or made decisions? It gave you the freedom to do things? Well,
8: I had a, a sense of security. You know, I, I felt independent. I felt the ability to go out and make things happen and get things done. And you know, I, I felt somewhat, you know, in many ways invincible as a young man. And and that kind of carried over with some of the confidence that I have in, in today's world. Uh huh. All right, and Marie,
3: Steve, how young were you when you started making money?
8: I worked for my dad between the ages of probably 10 to 15 um, in his residential real estate company. And I worked as an assistant in the office, got to watch him work and work very hard and, you know, trying to get that done. And he taught me a lot from that, you know, from that, that taught me a lot from the experience.
3: Uh huh. And how did working for your dad uh, affect what you do now in your business?
8: It's just a hard business and, you know, working hard from his stand, you know, he just worked very, very hard. And, that kind of built my work ethic, number one. And number two, he showed quite a bit of honesty. So people, you know, and and he cared. And so to me, that's kind of what I've taken over, you know, taken off of that from a young age, you know, and watching him care about people and making, you know, making things happen. And so that's what I brought to my, you know, to my world.
1: Kelly, what are
0: you thinking? Steve, I really liked the fact that you talked about as a, as a kid you know, having that good family background made you feel safe. Tell me a little bit about how you do that with current business owners you're working with.
8: Well, a lot of what we do today is um, we kind of you know, in private equity, as as I mentioned, we have very much a you know, money it, money is green, and and from that perspective, you have to bring something else to the table. And what we bring is more of a you know, operational experience and a caring of of what's going on. We've also changed our investment philosophy, um, you know, about six or seven years ago, and that was we left the fund capability, you know, the fund aspect of it, um, which which forces you to get out of a company at a very regular basis, and, and we decided to invest personally. And so now we can stay in companies, you know, forever. In rea- you know, in, 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 but we don't. But but we do stay in very long until until such time that the operating partners or the people that are actually running the business come to us to sell the company. We've never told the company when it's to be sold. Well, so you've never told one. Never. Wow. And and I like the whole concept about caring. But what
0: other ways do you? Uh, how, how, what other ways are you different than most private equity firms?
8: Well, the only um, the real difference is, number one, we're very focused. So we focus on government IT contractors. So we're not everything to everybody. That's number one. Number two, we bring the operational side of the business, um, the operational side to management so that we can you know, obviously help them run their business because we've done it before.
1: All right, I got a question
8: for you. When you were a kid, what kind of sports did you play? I played baseball and mainly lacrosse. Uh
1: What was your role? What was the common thread of your roles on those teams?
8: Um, I was the, you know, in most cases, I was the captain.
1: Uh Why?
8: Some of it was based on ability, you know, my my ability as a player, Mm -hmm. and the other and the other side was my leadership roles.
1: Is anything? What what are you bringing forth, or what what, what what did you what would you demonstrate back then that has anything to do with the value that you're adding to your investments nowadays?
8: Well, I think from that from that perspective of, you know, hard work, leadership, and as well as the ability to see talent, you know, it helps to be able to bring in quality players within the organizations that we now own. Michael?
4: So where did you develop that talent for evaluating players and uh, and then eventually employees and, and uh, people to invest in?
8: Well, to be honest, it goes back to the coaches that I had in, in my sports teams. Uh, the best coaches that I had actually were, were able to – take the talent that they had and make the most of them. You know, it, you know sometimes you, you know, in, in high school and, and even when I went to college, um, you know, you can't, I think in college it's a little bit easier to get the talent, right? In high school, it was what you got. And to be able to take that and mold it into a winning, into a winning formula, I believe is, is, is everything. And so that's, that's where I got that from.
4: So how would you do that? What's an example? What did the coach and the baseball team in high school do that, or another example that would take you there? Oh, well, I think it always,
8: it does boil down, or back to the caring side of it, right? So he, he, he got them to believe in themselves because he, they felt like he cared in them. Um, it's, it's, it's really, a, it's getting somebody to do better than they even think they can do. And if you can get them to believe in themselves and you can get them to maximize whatever it is talent that they've got, that's the, you know, that's, I think that's the greatest leadership role you can have, right, to make them better than they are so when, the better than they think so they are. So when
1: you're making these investments, you're telling me that um, more important than the specific twist to the business is the team,
8: well it's definitely the team because everybody pretty much does the same thing in which we buy so mm-hmm. it's not it's not unique we're not inventing you know the wheel all over again what we're doing is taking it government consulting people and the people that are successful are the are the managers and mm-hmm. that's really the, because you're you're buying people your entire inventory goes home at night that was something we had to get over mm-hmm. you know the fact that you know we can't go touch a building and we can't go touch inventory mm-hmm. so we when we moved into the people business you know everybody goes home at night so your inventory goes home right and sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't what we hope is is that we've built an environment where they do want to come back.
1: So you're telling me that, that the uh, that your role in the firm is figuring out you're like the master coach. You're like trying to figure out where everybody fits on the different teams that you've got.
8: I think that's every leader's role. I think that's everybody in you know no matter what role you have, whether you're the CEO of the company, you're a partner, you're this, you're that. I think everybody's goal is to is to is to put the person in the best place that they can be successful.
1: So you're telling me that as opposed to just investing dollars, you're also investing your energy in terms of figuring out where people fit. You're able to help the CEO figure out where people fit on his team. Do you actually help the CEO with those kinds of strategies? Do you talk to them about these things?
8: We do it all the time, and in some cases I actually go in and, and, and act either as a consultant within the companies or I actually physically take a role in the company and, and help drive the company in a certain
1: but the these are all different kinds of businesses. How? Well, they're, they're,
8: they're, they're, they are, but yet they're similar. So there's not that much difference between what one IT contractor does and what another IT contractor does. I mean, they might be in different segments of the market, but
1: not. Gotcha. Kelly?
8: I just love the fact that you talk about you're an investment company, but you're really a mentor. You're going to help these guys succeed. We certainly try. I mean, that that at the end of the day, we don't offer anything, meaning we're a money kind of investment company. And the differentiation for us versus what another PE firm down the street can do for you is really that aspect. The ability to come in, help them focus their business or get it into an area that that they have never thought that they were in before versus strictly just giving them money and then just watch, and just all we do is look at the financials.
1: Steve, what's the website address of CM Equity Partners? It's
8: cmequity.com.
1: We've been speaking with Steve Roth, partner of CM Equity Partners here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, it's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. And we will be back in a moment right after this quick break. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you. Help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com.
9: This is John Schuhart. Join us Joining us for our business spotlight is Barry
10: File. Who
9: are you with, Barry?
10: I'm with Celebrate Fairfax, yeah. a 501c3 nonprofit in Fairfax, Virginia.
9: And what do you do with uh, Celebrate Fairfax?
10: I am very fortunate to be the president and CEO of the organization. So, what does Fairfax, or excuse me, Celebrate Fairfax, do? We have a mission to celebrate Fairfax County and its communities. We serve the 1.1 million people who live in the county, and all, as well as all the people who uh, visit and work there.
9: So, uh, what do you enjoy about working at Celebrate Fairfax?
10: It is the best job in the world. It is. We come to work every day, my team and I, and we get to prepare and plan and produce events for 75,000, 100,000 people. And we treat them like, we think of them like like they're our our friends. So So we get to come in and just plan great events for them. What makes those events so special? We try to be unique uh, within this region especially, but we're always trying to stretch the envelope of what people expect from events. People go to events because they want to have great experiences. And for us, we are always trying to give them that return on investment because they're not giving us necessarily a lot of money when they come to our event, but they are giving us their time and their energy. And that's an important thing. People want that ROI back.
9: So did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were a kid?
10: No, never. I I think that when I was a kid, I I I was building things, designing things, and somewhere along the line, I fell into events and realized that it was a natural extension for me, that I just loved producing things.
9: So what was it about being a kid that led you to this?
10: Um, I think that it was just the challenges that were there. I always tried to figure out solutions to problems that didn't exist, and uh, that's what we do now. It's it's the same principle.
9: So when did you first start overcoming big challenges as a kid?
10: Uh, I think I always was. Uh, I think that uh, I lived in a household with two older kids, parents who had their own things going on, and I think for me I just always uh, tried to find my own way. What's your website? Our website is celebratefairfax.com.
9: This is John Shewhart, and this has been your business spotlight. And your name is
11: Kay Tuning, and the
9: name of the organization
11: McBride Real Estate Services. What do you guys do? We are a commercial real estate firm. We're a boutique firm that represents tenants.
1: Uh huh. So you don't represent uh, you don't represent the uh, landlords or anything like that. Typically,
11: not. Most of our business is tenant rep.
1: So there's no there's no conflicts there. When you're representing a tenant, it's only the tenant. You don't have to worry about you know the you're trying to rent the landlord's building, so the tenant doesn't get a great deal that way.
11: That's right. We uh-huh. have no conflict.
1: Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, what do you like about your job?
11: Oh, I love several things. You get a wide variety of clients that have very different businesses. So, mm-hmm. you get a great array of uh, view of different people's business. W- where'd
1: your deep sense of humanness come from?
11: <sighs> That's a great question. I've always been curious about people. I've always loved people and interaction.
1: Does that, does that fact that you love people and interaction have anything to do with uh, your success in your career?
11: I think so. I think so. you Because like we're gonna, we relate to people. We, um, no,
1: no, no. It says here you're, you're in the real estate business. Mm-hmm. You, you rent real estate.
11: We do. But What's you're, that have to do with Essentially, people? we're solving problems for them. And we put their um, strategies on paper. We figure out where they need to go in their real estate uh, performa. And we help them solve that problem what,
1: so where's your humanness fit into that whole picture uh,
11: you know i think i relate to the tenants on very different levels each tenant's a little different and what do you, you have mean be you a relate bit of a to chameleon. the
1: tenants what are you talking about you have to be a chameleon what well, do you mean
11: you have to step into their shoes i'm an empath and you really have to understand their business and uh, sort of wear their hat. You're helping them make So sometimes they
1: may not be able to communicate clearly with you what they're really looking for, and you'll make those suggestions?
11: A lot of times. We help them boil it down to the real important things.
1: So it's reading between the lines. It's that empath. It's that intuitive ability of yours, which is pretty important. Absolutely. What's the website address of your organization?
11: McBrideRes.com.
1: Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Kate. K. Tuning? Tuning. And the name of the organization?
11: McBride Real Estate Services. We'll be
1: back after this break. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Turb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Jorge Restrapo, who is the CEO of Eureka Facts. Jorge, what what is Eureka Facts? What are you guys doing?
12: Eureka Facts is a social and market research firm. What we do is provide analytics, insights, and measurements to help improve programs, products, and services.
1: Uh How large or small is this organization?
12: Uh, We have just over 50 employees. About 50 people, huh?
1: Where are you from originally?
12: Originally from Colombia. And
1: I understand that uh, you moved from Colombia to the United States to uh, go to college or something like that. And I'm wondering, what the affair of high school, what was the effect of that, moving from Colombia to the United States on you? What did that do?
12: Well it was kind of shocked because uh, I lived a kind of very um, structured family life and all of a sudden I was here in the United States uh, in college, all the freedom and everything that you could do. So it was um, a, a very different experience altogether.
1: Mm-hmm. Who's got the next question?
2: Mark? So when you were growing up, uh, you hung around with, with other friends. What were the, the, what is it the, uh, your friends had? What values did you have that made you admire them the most?
12: Um, when people would come up with uh, great ideas, um, we worked through uh, projects or we would come up with a particular project and in, in, in discussing it, we would figure out how to organize things to come up with some, something great. We would come up with all kinds of crazy ideas. What's an example of something you
2: came up with as a, as a project?
12: Very, very young, we decided that we were going to, we saw something in the news. I think this was uh, kind of 70-some fuel. So we said, decided we we're going to create a new fuel that was going to be very efficient. We actually branded it. We started to look at what could burn. Um, we put everything together. We almost burnt the house, but that's, that was one of the projects. It's a rite of passage.
2: What was your role in this group?
12: Um, I think uh, uh, along with a um, with, uh, neighbor of mine, we were both the leaders in the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne-Marie?
3: You mentioned you have a strong drive to help people. So what was the effect of being around your family so much? How did that affect that?
12: Uh, well, you, you always see, um, uh, we grew, we had, I have a lot of siblings. So um, we always were looking at how we were going to to kind of come up with something that everybody would be, Um, happy to to engage in and how we were going to be um, bringing everybody together
3: so very collaborative is that the way you work now
12: always yes definitely Um, on every effort what we do is we want to make sure that we with clients we understand what they want to accomplish we're not simply kind of taking on a research project and then delivering a report but we understand why do you want to learn this information what will matter and then so we work in that way and when we work with other team members or within the company we all have parts of the puzzle that we're trying to put together kelly
0: So it's it's funny, you were talking in the green room about, uh, I guess, the the weekends that you spent with family and like, you know, a big family. Um, But you kind of took a role, but
12: you said your sister took a role as well. Explain that a little bit. Yes, definitely. She was definitely a leader. So we would all come up with ideas. We would be talking. So there were five of us. We always had one or two cousins that would come with us uh, for the weekend, and we were allowed to have one friend each to come over for the weekend. So that was kind of the incentive for everybody going on um, outside of town for, for the whole three days or two days. Um, and so she would come up with ideas, I would come up with ideas, and we what we liked, kind of as a group, we would do. And she would come up with great things. So uh, that would be also something that I would um, get kind of behind some of their thoughts, even though sometimes we also got in trouble uh, because they were great ideas. <laughs> so, so where was the sibling rivalry? I mean, the, how did the, you guys get along? There wasn't, we got along great. She came up with one I was mentioning in the green room uh, the um, earlier that one time she came up with the idea that we were going to play hair salon, so she lined us all up and she cut our hair. Uh-huh. Um, so and you let that happen. <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. So it's
1: not it's, even though it's not your idea, it still could be a good idea.
12: Of course. The uh-huh. best ideas come from all around you.
1: Interesting. Michael?
4: Yeah, you had mentioned also that your grandfather and your father were examples of good leadership. Give us some some stories about what happened there. So
12: so my, my grandfather, I, I look up uh, to him and, and, and keep him kind of very present in any decision. Uh, he he taught me uh, to think big, an idea. So uh, when we were, um, I was very young, uh, we were driving and he saw a little creek that had um, kind of turns and he just showed me and said, look, if you could take this and straighten out, there wouldn't be flaws in both sides of that river and uh, of that creek. And so that taught me that things that are there don't mean that they have to be like that, that you can come up with ideas and projects that are not necessarily visible in the apparent way.
4: And so how do you translate that into today's business?
12: Right now, um, uh, I, I think it's kind of in, the, in, in our DNA, uh, we, uh, we go for the eureka. When a lot of people will say, we want a study that helps us improve, our internal task is to come up with that breakthrough, that eureka moment. That will take you much further than what you would initially envision.
3: Mm. Next question: Who's got it? How does being from Colombia affect your business?
12: Uh, I, I think a lot. I, I bring. Um, uh, I grew up kind of formatted in a different way, be, uh, understanding a different culture. So from the from the outside, when I look at research, and I think very early on that I was doing a lot of the the interviews and other um, aspects, I would bring a different perspective. Things that were were very kind of common landscape for everybody else I would pick up on those and uh, so understanding other cultures has helped us as a company grow by by probing on the assumptions probing on the on the inquiries and making the company very much inclusive in understanding the different perspectives that people have
1: Mm-hmm. How about the when you were a kid and you growing up in Colombia? Was what was the environment like? Was that an entrepreneurial environment or was it, it academic? Or what were in
12: Medellin? Everybody starts a business, sells something, comes up with an idea. So that environment is very rich, and I think that I, I it it made made me who I am.
1: What do you mean? What are you talking about?
12: Um, well, very early on, we would be always. Um, wanting to sell something so at uh, la finca the country home at one point they gave us a, a my my dad bought a rabbit before we knew it there were eight rabbits so we decided to start a business and we uh, with my brothers and and sisters we all of a sudden started breeding rabbits um we got to a point in which we had a hundred of them we were selling rabbit meat we were selling <laughs> rabbit legs ragged <laughs> rabbit everything and small rabbits uh-huh. as well to, to all the <laughs> friends of um My my parents uh, would bring friends over, so they all had young kids. Mm -hmm. Testing the product, making sure that the little kid had the little bunny was essential to the sale.
1: Uh So you understood business, the fundamentals of business as a young age. What what do you really enjoy about uh, running your business?
12: Uh, Every day that we accomplish something, that we look at any particular challenge. I like research because we undertake different projects and we see how we can make things better. How we can come up with new ideas out of the um, the information, the perspectives, the opinions that different different people have. I wish so the that public
1: could see, you know, how you're really how your body language. You really believe this. You really get turned on by sinking your teeth yeah. into another issue, don't you? It's my life. Yes. What do you mean? It's your life.
12: I I love it when we are, are you able married to or something.
1: Married. How many kids do you have? Two kids, two daughters. What's the similarity between being a dad and being the? Uh, it says here you're the. Uh, CEO of Eureka Facts, similarity between being a dad and being the CEO of Eureka Facts.
12: Well, I, I think that in, in that way, um, we've um, brought up our daughters to always be very curious about things, uh, looking at um, how they they can make improvements in whatever they do. So my oldest daughter is in, in biology. Who, 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 uh,
1: who wears the pants in the family, you or your wife?
12: I, I think she's pretty good, and so. In would, other words, I, I you willingly share, I will, like I, you did very, with your sister, huh? very much. Yes. Uh huh. But it's you it's brought survival skill. You
1: brought you you've, you've brought this curiosity to the family. It sounds like to your kids.
12: Yes. Yes. Very much. Mm. So my oldest daughter went into into biology from the research side. Mm. My youngest daughter from mathematics and understanding the world. So I think that across domains that. Curiosity is is there with it.
1: Uh huh. It's the same thing your grandfather had when he said, "Listen, we can change the course of this river." Uh huh. Very much. Coupled with the entrepreneurial stuff you brought back from Colombia, you brought from Colombia. Uh What do you do in your spare time?
12: I read. Like to read history. I like to um, to kind of learn new skills, new. Uh, understand what's happening in the research world. um, How
1: how does history help you in your business? Because that's yesterday, what's that have to do with tomorrow?
12: Well, yesterday is full of strategies and attempts that inform the future because um, you learn a lot by understanding different situations, different decisions in history itself. Strategy Hmm. has been, um, I think that's, there's a direct um, Hmm. way to learn about.
1: Do you get to know your clients personally?
12: As much as I say yes, uh, I mean there's, you, what we want to learn more and um, as we, as we get to know our, our, our clients is to understand where they want to go, what is it that they want to accomplish, what's important, what matters to them and when we know what matters to our client then we're able to translate that into the research to find out what will matter in this project.
1: So you're telling me that sometimes you're brought in to do a project, and sometimes the scope of the project changes because you're asking questions, and maybe what re- needs to get researched is a little bit different than what was originally anticipated.
12: It's always our pro- our process starts with what we call an information mission, um, and we ask, what is it that you can do that is different if you l- if you have the answer to X or Y, and as we start uncovering the ways in which people would use their inf- that information, then the the information that the objective for the research is refined. Um, I don't think that it changes dramatically, but we can refine it to a point that it becomes very actionable and Mm -hmm. very insightful.
1: Interesting. It's interesting to me, all the different perspectives you're bringing to the world of research. What's the website address of Eureka EurekaFacts?
12: EurekaFacts.com. We've been
1: speaking with Jorge Restrapo, who is the CEO of EurekaFacts.com. It's e u r e k a That is correct. .com. We'll be back in a moment right after this break.
13: I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District.
1: And what is the Boston Business Improvement District?
13: We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet. The first satellite. All were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston.
1: How, how old is this organization?
13: We're just, just shy of six years old.
1: How long have you been there? How long have you been there?
13: Uh, almost six years as well.
1: Did you found this organization?
13: Yes, I, I am the founding CEO.
1: Why did you do that?
13: Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston.
1: Why does why, why, it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you
13: on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the 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 ability to connect people, and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that we have incredible minds in the washington dc area and boston is as i said the epicenter for the smartest people in this area so
1: your job you're like the master connector
13: i feel like the mayor of of boston the mayor of innovation because that's Uh what's
1: happening so your idea your thought is in order to create more stuff in order to launch more businesses in order to cause more good it's a matter of connecting the right people
13: Exactly And
1: you like being in the middle Of all that I, stuff Oh we
13: love it We love it And simple things Just connecting people Through events Through art uh, through a happy hour, mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting.
1: So it's all about the people, and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for hell you? Hell
13: no! It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So
1: do you have to do you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. It's
13: Bostonbid.com, and and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app.
1: Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more time.
13: Bostonbid.com.
1: It's B-A, give me the spelling on that.
13: B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com.
1: Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Bolson Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. And your name is? Ray Briskuso. And
14: Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh-huh.
1: So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working Behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct.
14: We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customers. So we don't believe in numbers, its names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them.
1: And are you doing this nationally or regionally?
14: We do it nationally. We are continuing to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, The company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. next time i decided i would keep some ownership and do it myself ah, so you've been building you've been building this ever since what do you like about your job i like how different it is because we mix policy we mix business i might be putting one ceo together with a politician i might be putting another ceo together with an investor mm-hmm. and i might be putting the next person together with their next employee how interesting what's the
1: website address for this organization
14: medtechconference.org let me have that one more time. MedTechConference.org. .org. And the name of the organization again is? Well, Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray
1: Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs. Grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business, are truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful We may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs Who have created substantial wealth for their companies their teams and themselves? these women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these ceos to gain their interest in helping you now email mentors at executive leaders radio.com. that's mentors at executive leaders radio.com. to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Jerk Cohn. We'd like to introduce JJ Finkelstein, President and CEO of Regenerex Biopharmaceutical. JJ, what is Regenerex? Regenerex is a public
15: company that is developing products to treat uh, eye disorders, uh, heart disorders,
1: and neuro, uh, neuro disorders such as stroke. Hmm, sounds pretty complicated here. Uh hey Marie, who's got the next question here?
3: So you mentioned earlier that you're really, really obsessed and driven to know how things work. Tell me about that. How does that affect your business?
15: Well, I think uh, my whole life I've always wondered how things work. I used to take uh, lawnmowers and bicycles apart and put them back together, um, and it's always just been a curiosity of mine. And I... Uh, feel the same way about businesses. I like to see how they work, um, find out what drives them, and I enjoy very much trying to build them with the components. Mm-hmm. Kelly? So how young were you when you first started making money? Well, outside of working around my house, I, I was probably about 13 when I worked at a brokerage firm uh, filing uh, name cards back in the days before computers.
0: And this was your, your father's firm? No. No.
15: No. Okay. All right. So so you started working in a brokerage
0: firm, but you obviously started at a young age learning how business ran and how a brokerage firm ran. Tell me a little bit more
15: about that. So uh, even from my position as filing uh, name cards, I could see the various interactions among the, the departments, the brokers, the the back office, and could see how the whole operation Worked uh, to wait, 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 achieve their right, mission.
1: How, how old were you? How young were you when you were observing how all these different departments worked? I
15: was about thirteen.
1: That's weird, because most thirteen-year-old kids, you know, number one, they don't want to work, and number two, they're going to do what they're supposed to do, and they're not going to look at the big picture. But you're looking at the big picture, the interrelationships of all this stuff. Oh, I guess that goes back to what Amory was talking to you about. Well, you were taking things apart, as you can. You were able to work from a blank piece of paper. Is that 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 whole thing?
15: Well, I I think that's just in my DNA. I've always been curious, and uh, I I observe things and see how they work, and I like to take them apart and like to put them together when I can.
2: Mm-hmm. Who's got the next question? You grew up in in Texas. Uh, tell me a little bit about what the culture and, and environment was and how it affected you.
15: Well, uh, I'm always proud of having grown in uh, grown up in Texas, even though I've lived in this area for 35 years. Uh, I think Texans are very entrepreneurial, we're very proud of our state, and I think that helped uh, uh, mold my personality a lot. Uh,
4: Michael? When you were growing up, who were the most important influences on your life?
15: Well, interestingly, um, I found a lot of uh, help and influence in the sports area. I was uh, very, very athletic, involved in a lot of sports, and one of my Father's friends, for example, uh, was a pole vaulter, which I was also doing at a young age. And he spent a lot of time with me, showing me how to actually vault over a six or eight foot high bar. Um, And I really never forgot that, that he took the time. And and that's influenced me because I try to do the same thing in mentoring other people.
1: Hmm. So, yeah, Mary Marie.
3: What do you take from pole vaulting in your business?
15: Oh that's a that's a difficult question. Uh I guess with pole vaulting uh so, so much of it other than uh other than just athletic talent uh requires coordination and um many aspects of your body working at the same time to achieve the goal. Business is very similar in that way. It takes a lot of various components at least in my business to um all be working at the same uh for the same goals to be successful.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. So your business, did you, did you found it or were you a co-founder of it or did you come in a little bit later?
15: I was a co-founder originally mm-hmm. from
1: Texas. And when you, uh, when you, as a co-founder, what were you supposed to be doing different than the other founders?
15: Well, I was, I helped bring the first capital to the business, which was here in, uh, in uh, D.C. And I, I had uh, the business experience, even at a young age, more than most of the other People involved in the company at that time who were scientists and uh, physicians.
1: So, um, you brought the money to the party. That's interesting because you worked at a brokerage firm when you were 12 trying to figure out how things worked, and your father was a stockbroker. You think that might have affected your comfort in terms of uh, the money markets?
15: I'm sure that had an effect. I mean, I was always comfortable around money. I knew a little bit, maybe more so than some of my peers, about how things operated in that realm.
1: Mm -hmm. Kelly, what else are you thinking?
15: So you were talking about the fact that you uh, you had a number of jobs, especially the the one job where
0: you you worked at a gas station, you had the graveyard shift. Uh, Obviously, that said something about you, that you
15: would actually take the graveyard shift and work hard like that. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I had a good friend who was um, a Canadian, and we spent the summer in Canada, and his father helped me get a job at a gas station in the graveyard shift, and uh, it was something I'd never done before, seen before, or or ever thought I would would do. But you learn a lot about people. You see a very different culture at uh, 3 in in the morning coming in in to get gas as opposed to what you normally experience.
1: Well, it was interesting. You were on your vacation, and you decided to work the graveyard shift. So you know, hard work is in your DNA. It's pretty obvious as opposed um, yeah, to sitting yeah. on the beach all day.
2: Yeah, I've always worked. Yeah. Uh huh. Next hard.
1: question: Who's got it?
2: Would the uh, kids and the uh, the adults who knew you as as a, as a youngster recognize you today?
15: Um, that's another good question. I think some aspects I've always been responsible. Uh, People have always told me that. They've always told me I'm a quiet leader. Um, So I think they would still recognize that in me. However, I'm much more serious about life than I was at a a young age, as most of us are as we get older. So uh, they might smile at that aspect of life. What do you mean you're a
1: quiet leader? I'm not sure I understand what you mean by that.
15: So, you know, I'm not a rah-rah type per se. I I lead by doing. And uh, most of my staff uh, throughout my life, people who have worked for me, have, uh, you know, followed the way that I, I behave uh, in the office, in business, outside the office, um, and uh, as opposed to me having to cheer them on all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, why is that? How are you able to get that to happen?
15: I I don't know the answer to that. It mm-hmm. just it seems to work, though.
1: Is it because you're picking the right people?
15: Uh, I don't think so necessarily. I think people like to um, follow the lead of people that they respect, perhaps, or doing the right thing, they're responsible, whatever the reason might be, mm-hmm. people
1: will follow that. Mm-hmm. What's the website address of this organization?
15: It's RegenerX.com. How do you spell that? R-E-G-E-N-E-R-X.com.
1: com. I'm speaking with J.J. Finkelstein, President and CEO of RegenerX, here on Executive Leader's Radio. Mark, can you give us a rundown on who we've had the opportunity of speaking with today?
2: Sure. Today, we've talked to Kelly Campbell, CEO of Campbell Wealth Management, uh, Steve Roth, partner of CM Equity Partners. Jorge Restupo, CEO of EurekaFacts, and J.J. Finkelstein, President and CEO of Regenerics Biopharmaceuticals. Uh, I'd like to thank my
1: co-hosts, including Mark Haas, AEG, Michael Mitchell, Person-to-Person Quality, Anne-Marie Spedafore, and Kelly Campbell from Campbell Wealth Management for giving me a hand structuring the questions, hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience For listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. And uh, we do thank you for joining us today. Executiveleadersradio.com. Thank you for joining us and do have a nice day. Bye-bye.